0: have faith in God is not a stagnant state. It's a journey. As a believer, we should grow in our knowledge of God and His Word. Walk with Alan Cutting and many other believers as together we walk the believer's journey. Aloha! And thank you again for joining us for another week of uh, the believer's journey. I'm so glad you've uh, joined us today and I want to just thank you everybody for supporting, praying for, and watching our teaching. Uh, We're dedicated on teaching the accuracy of the Bible, and hopefully, uh, through all this, your relationship with Jesus will be strengthened in in your life. I want to say that today we have a very special guest who was on our show last time, and Lon Ekdahl is here. We're going to talk about obedience. Uh, I know to a lot of people that's kind of a hard word to swallow but there's a lot of teaching about obedience and we want to talk about it today and i want to remind everybody if you're when you watch this program if you please subscribe to our our program or our channel and if you comment or ask questions uh send an email with questions however you want to do it i'll be glad to respond to them uh answer your questions and possibly put your questions on our program when we have our special on uh, questions on the fly. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and start off. And Lon, good morning.
1: Good morning. It's good to be here again.
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: good to see all of you out there.
0: So, before we get started on our topic, let's talk about you and your ministry again. Um, I've known that you've been surrounded, in the time that I've known you, by some pretty incredible people. I mean, we have. Uh, Jim and Jack and, you know, so really influential people. Some, one thing I learned from you is that you don't, well, let me say it this way. As a pastor, you have mentors, right? You have mm-hmm. people you go to, obviously not in your congregation, but you have people you go to, yeah. other pastors that you pray for, that pray for you. How important is that? Because we have an audience of, several scores of missionaries and ministers that I think is important for you to to comment on that
1: I think it's crucial to your ministry to have people praying for you and supporting you and giving input into your life Uh, we surely don't have all the answers that's for sure we had a professor in college that would flat out tell us I don't know the answer to that And, and I always thought that was part of his integrity that he would admit that but yeah I have a couple pastors that I know pray for me and and then the professors that have spoken into my life in my years of training, and I thank God for all of those people. Um, even some of the people in my congregation that I'm mentoring also spoke into my life through what they were experiencing as they grew in their own faith and in their own ministry. So this whole thing of being a Christian is really about relationships it's not only a relationship with God, but it's a relationship with each other, relationship within families and all of that. That's all a part of God's plan. So any time that we can enhance those relationships, it's to our benefit.
0: Now, I know that you also are kind of responsible for many of us who um, entered into the ministry. Talk about that.
1: Well, it's exciting to watch when you sow seed, to watch that seed grow and bear fruit. And so that's why I'm real excited about Alan and watching how the Lord is using him and what God has done with his life. There were some times that I I would never have envisioned this outcome. Uh, Alan had some serious struggles and I wasn't sure he was going to make it, but he did. God's grace is really profound. And then uh, another fellow just passed away, Chuck Smith, one of my first teenagers in my first church, came from a dysfunctional family. And uh, one day I said to him, Chuck, I'm going to pay your way to youth camp. And when I told my wife that, we were making $50 a week, and she said, you can't afford to do that. I said, I can't afford not to do that. So we sent Chuck to youth camp. And his life was changed. His whole history was changed. And he ended up becoming a minister and pastored several churches and did a great job. And so it's worthwhile to invest in the lives of those that uh, God is at work in already. So it's been a joy to watch God do that. In fact, our last
0: program, you talked about this Marine that uh, gave the $500 yeah. that uh, paid for the mortgage uh And uh,
1: today, he's married to a pastor. Right. He's a pastor's wife, yeah. (laughs) That's tough for a Marine to swallow. (laughs) He's a great guy.
0: And Karen, the one who's the pastor, uh, of course, I know Karen pretty well, and uh, she's an amazing lady, and she basically has been under your wing even till today.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. She... But she does as much for me as I would ever do for her. She just, she loves people. And if she thinks that you need anything, she's going to get it for you. And uh, she's really a, a very loving person, good, good pastor. She's been in her church over 20 years. She's one of the best pastors I know. She's in uh, what, in Southern California. Yeah. Yeah, what is it down there by Long Beach, West Westminster, Westminster, yeah. something like that, Westchester. I don't know. Yeah, no, West there, something.
0: There, yeah Westchester or Westminster. <laughs> I'm sure she's going to correct us both. <laughs> you can count on it. <laughs> but I know, out of our teen group, there are there are uh, some of us that have gone come out of some real successful areas in our life as adults that owe it to you. I mean, Richard, for example, is one Mm -hmm. of them. Um, Actually, Reed, some of the people that I grew up with, uh, Mm -hmm. just come back to you because of of your um, integrity, your walk with God, your non-wavering. It means a lot to those. um, I mean, you have a testimony to those of us you know, who do struggle, who do have the situations. And and I want you to mention or talk about how important it is to maintain your testimony as a pastor, as a Christian leader, and mentor to those who are just new and young in the Lord.
1: Well, if you don't maintain your own integrity and your own lifestyle, then the words you speak really are meaningless. They lose their value. So if the words that you speak or whatever you share with people, if they're going to have any value at all, then it's got to be backed up by a life that's well lived. And so uh, since the Lord called me to preach, I've lived for that, lived for preaching the word. But that all has it's lost its meaning if I, if I don't live those same things, those same truths. So it's, it's crucial. Yeah, it's very crucial.
0: And I think because of that, there are lives all over the West Coast, Hawaii. I don't know about any further than that. Uh, maybe people have moved away that uh, look up to you because of that integrity.
1: Well, I don't deserve it, but yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that God, there's a special place, I think, in with people who do that. That God honored God honors people like you because you've maintained that integrity. You maintained mm-hmm. the idea of not just being truthful, as we talked about
1: last time, but being honest. Mm-hmm. and I think that that's really important. and I think that's part of obedience. You know, one of my favorite scriptures when we start talking about obedience is what God said to Moses way back in Deuteronomy, the eleventh chapter. Verses 26 through 28, God says, See, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from the commands that I give you today by following other gods which you have not known. So God is saying, you know what? It all boils down to a blessing and a curse. I really want to bless you, but the blessing is going to come in your obedience. And if you fail to obey, because my concern is for you, I'm not an arbitrary God. The, the rules that I'm giving you, the commands I give you, even the Ten Commandments, are for your good. And so I give them to you so that you might be blessed. But if you fail to obey them, if you don't believe they're valid, then there's going to be a curse. And so that's that's pretty simple, and that uh, that's hard to miss what God's really saying to us. He he expects obedience from us. He, he demands obedience from us.
0: So as a father, what kind of a disciplinarian were you?
1: Well, I feel like I was a pretty strong disciplinarian. uh <laughs> people that don't believe in spanking probably wouldn't like me because <laughs> I started spanking my kids when they were even babies and would throw a little f- f- fuss and fit just a rebellious kind of thing and you just needed a little swat on the bottom but I think the best picture of discipline that I ever saw came from my son and uh, to me I I never thought of it myself but I thought it was awesome He had a son that had turned 12, and they lived out in the country. His son's name was Brock. My son's name's Gary. And Gary bought Brock a BB gun. And they lived out in the country and showed him how to use it. Well, after Brock had had that gun for a couple of weeks, one day Gary came home from work and saw that there was a a hole in the window of the shed out back, in fact, two holes that had been made by the BB gun. And so he thought to himself, well, uh, I'm going to wait till I have some time with Brock because I really, I want to make this a real teaching thing. So he waited till he came home the next night, and he'd been thinking about what he wanted to do. And so he said to Brock, Brock, I need to see you. Let's go out in the shed together. So they went out in the shed. See those two holes in the window, Brock? Uh, looks like they were made by your BB gun. Did you shoot the window of the shed? Brock said yes, he did, and he admitted that he did it. And Gary said to him, well, you know, we all make failures in life. God has laid out a plan for us of things to do that are right, and we we fail, we mess up. And God sent Jesus into the world to pay the penalty for our sin on the cross so that we can be forgiven for those wrong acts. Well, I want to illustrate to you what it's like to receive the penalty for the actions you committed so rather than giving you a spanking, I want you to give me a spanking. And he picked up a board off the wood pile and he said, "I'm going to bend over and I want you to give me some wax with this board, and they better be good because uh, we're not going to quit till you do it right." And Brock began to cry, and he ended up spanking his dad. But he was a changed kid from that day on. He never got over that. He realized that what it meant for Jesus Christ to take our penalty for the wrongs that we've committed, how important obedience was. And uh, he, he's been a different kid ever since. I mean, it changed his life completely. And I thought, wow, that was a, a really neat use of discipline. But, uh, but I never thought of it. He did. But uh, I thought it was kind of neat. Well, I'm assuming he learned from you. Well, I don't know about I never did that. I didn't want him to spank me. <laughs> well, well, I understand
0: that, but I think that that sometimes we come up with things in principle and put in action because of what we've learned.
1: Yeah, that's true. Probably,
0: probably he did. You know, I think Gary's, from what I, you know, Gary's always seemed to be close to you, I mean, as a kid. We yeah. are close, yeah. So I would think that you've been that. I mean, there's times when I've done something... And you've never spanked me. Of course, I was yeah. older. <laughs> but you sure did let off on me and tell me. Well, you deserve to spank
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> There's one other one other story I'll never forget because it was the hardest thing I ever did. But Gary was in Little League playing for a Little League baseball team, and we had planned a big kids thing for the church kids. We were going on the bus down to... Uh, a park like Disneyland. I think it was. What's the one where your mother lives? Oh, it. Um, ah, Six Flags Magic, Magic Mountain. Mountain. Yeah. Magic. We were taking them to Magic Mountain, and we we're going to camp out on the way. And and well, Gary's baseball team won their division, and we we're going to go into some playoffs. And it conflicted with this trip we were taking with all the kids. And Gary wanted to go on this trip so bad. And I said, Gary, you made, a, you made a commitment to your team. You need to follow through on that commitment, so I'm not going to let you go. I want you to stay here and play out your commitment. And so when we pulled out of the, on the bus with all the other kids out of the parking lot of the church, Gary's standing there with tears in his eyes, and I left him. And it was the hardest thing I ever did. And he went ahead and played his baseball games. Now, our trip didn't turn turn out to be the greatest trip because the bus broke down and a couple other things happened. We didn't even get to follow through on what we planned to do. And so he didn't didn't miss much, but he never forgot that. The idea of the integrity of our word, when we commit to something and we promise we're going to be a part of something to follow through on that, whatever else comes up. And so he learned that lesson. And to this day, he's never, never forgotten that.
0: I know that um, one of the things that I look at in scripture a lot is where it says things like train up your children in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen that you've almost been, a whether you do things right or wrong, but you've been a perfect example of training them up in the Lord. I'm not saying you're totally perfect, but you've you've been that example. Uh, That's been my goal. Well, it's... Join it in your children. I mean, it, obviously the fruit is there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, which I think is is pretty cool. You don't find whether you find look at ministers or lay people, you don't find a lot of that anymore. Where people are training in the Lord, mm-hmm. I I know too many people will take their kids, drop them off at church, and pick them up after it's mm-hmm. done, and they don't go. Mm-hmm. And um, but you know, from ever since I remember, your kids. Always in church, always involved, Mm -hmm. and today they're involved with their as an adult. So you did it right. And I think you're a good example for anybody who has children. Well, we tried. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the things I really appreciated is that the family events, whether it be at home, I remember coming home from church back when we used to have Sunday night church meetings, you know, which I wish we did still. At least in our church, I wish we did. But coming home and eating and all of a sudden we'd have ice cream freezes. Diana would sit there and make these ice cream freezes. Do you want root beer or do you want orange? (laughs) But you made these family events that were so cool, you know, and I think that's really cool, really neat. And when you go on vacations, you had this pickup truck with this, Camper thing on it, and mm-hmm. you always took your kids.
1: Yeah, we did, and we were always in church on Sunday. Always somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think you know, and that's something that, that Susan and I, when we go on trips, you know, where's a church we can go on Sunday? Mm-hmm. And you know where I learned that was from you. Mm-hmm. You know, people go on vacations. So what do we do tomorrow? Oh, well, let's go camping or hiking or whatever. And he says, well, and I'm like, well, we go to church first, and then we do all our stuff. And I learned that from you. So, I mean, you're you're an influence on your kids. Mm -hmm. I guess I'm saying I'm your kid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are. (laughs) I have to tell you, everybody, that um, Lon is... um, Because my father left when I was nine, and my stepfather, I mean, he he literally verbally told me he hated me. Verbally. And uh, the funny thing about it is when he became... Uh, older, I mean, he started to like me, and then, uh, and my, and he had got dementia. Well, my youngest brother, Glenn, he tells me one time, well, you know, Leo, Leo's the name of my stepfather. He doesn't remember he's supposed to hate you. <laughs> <laughs> so it became a, a joke because of all that. But you know, it's it's interesting because you know, you became my dad. You became, you know uh my mentor you became somebody that i uh look look up to and um and i didn't have that growing up and i think that was really important to me in my life so and i believe you're probably that to like i mentioned karen you're probably that to karen you know you you've been a, a father figure to a lot of people and i think that when we talk about obedience I really believe God put a lot of us in your life for that purpose. I think that your willingness to be obedient to God, to invest in our lives, has blossomed in fruit in our lives and your life um,
1: to the umpth degree. What do you think? Well, I feel like I'm... Receiving the fruits of whatever we did right <laughs> I mean I enjoy the fact of my kids being so close together and close to the family close to the Lord I mean you got four kids you got it you got a chance and probably one of them were going to be re- rebel in some way but that didn't happen so I'm thankful I just uh, that's all I can say I'm thankful I, I don't I don't see where I get any credit because I can I can sit here and tell you all the mistakes I made and uh, when my girls didn't understand some things that I did. But, you know, it's turned out good so I thank the Lord for that.
0: Well, when you think that you had a redhead, you should have had a rebellion. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then my daughters and our 12 grandkids, two of them are adopted and we love them and my daughter... Adopted one when she was 14, and people told her, you don't want to adopt a 14-year-old. You know, they're pretty set in their ways. And This 14-year-old girl, she had been bounced around from one foster home to another, had never had anybody say in her whole life that I love you, never had had a birthday party. She was just craving love. And when she came into our family, she is blood, she is now 21. She's the most beautiful young lady that I know of. And it's just been so neat to see how God has transformed her life from having a, I think, alcohol, drug, drug-induced drug mother to, to having been adopted into our family and watching how she's taken to all that. So it's been neat to see how God uses that.
0: You know, you mentioned on our last program that... Um, I think you mentioned this on the last program, I liked to fight when I was a kid. Yeah, you did. And um, I think it's because I was just an angry kid. Yeah.
1: You know. Alan would tell me, before he was a Christian, in high school, how he'd walk down the hall and bump into guys just to pick a fight with (laughs) them. I used to think, this guy's got problems. Uh,
0: And, and, you know, I was on the football team, and... um, in my high school and the linemen you know are big guys and they're just huge and i i'm you know not i'm a half back i'm a receiver guy so i'm just little and one time uh we're playing after the season's over we're playing and some guy knees me and i'm so mad and i'm not afraid of anybody so the guy's three times my size i just walk up to him start punching him and punching him and cussing him out. And then finally the coach comes over and, you are everything okay? Yeah, and I had to keel over. and, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it just was that. There was a time, and this affected me a lot. Uh, our youth group would go on trips, and I mentioned that before. And, and uh, when Lon took over as our youth pastor, he continued this um, as going on trips. And one time we went up to the snow you remember this? Yes. You're laughing. <laughs> I remember it. <laughs> so we had our old gang there, and there was, we would gather these snowballs. And we were in Angeles Forest, I think it was. And uh, we noticed that on both sides of the street, all these cars were parked right up, bumper to bumper, going up and coming down. So there's nowhere to park. When well, we were throwing snowballs at each other, we realized, well, wow, let's throw snowballs at, so, snowballs at cars because... They can't stop, you know. What are they going to do? So we started doing that. We started throwing a snowball at a car. The car would stop. The cars behind it would honk and they would have to go on. And we were in the clear. It was really cool. Then one time I'm standing there and uh, with my snowball, my the guys that were my age, you know, Reed and Roger and John Brown and all them, they're gone somewhere. So I had the other guys. There's like my brother and Brian Brown and all these other kids standing next to me. And I'm standing there with my snowball. Juggling it because it's cold at this time. We've been there a while, and the two guys next to me throw this snowball at this car where the guy's window is down. He goes like this, realizing the snowballs are coming. Rolls it up, hits the window, and hits the guy in the face. The guy pulls over, the car's honk, he goes down, finds a place to park, comes back up. Everybody is gone but me. I figure I didn't do anything. I'm standing with my snowball. The guy looks at me and says, you think you're pretty smart, don't you? Well, I need to let you know that not only then, but even now, I had a smart aleck remarks for everything. So I'm looking around. There's nobody there. And I said, yeah, I think I'm pretty smart. <laughs> so he goes off and starts yelling at me. I didn't pay so much money for a brand new car for some smart little kid to throw a car and ruin my car. I didn't realize water ruined cars, you know. And, and he's going off and on me, and he backs up, and he hits me here and knocks me in the face. I lost it. I started punching him. That guy must have been in his 20s. He was married. His wife was in the car. <laughs> and I punched him, and we got this big old fight. We slipped, slept on the snow. Some other men came along, pulled me off, and everybody's cheering me on because, you know, um, all his blood was on my shirt and all that. So that was all over and done. Across the street, there you're standing. You remember this. And you're putting ice in the radiator. <laughs> Do you remember what you said to me? No. I walked up to you. I'm kind of all puffed up. So you kind of looked at me, little, uh, and you looked down and you So you think you're a big man now, don't you? And I felt this big. I lost my local preacher's license because of that I but but the what you said to me realized I was really in the wrong spot and it had effect on me my entire life <laughs> what you said that simple little thing so you think you're a big man and little things like that that you probably don't remember
1: I all, do remember after, after you refresh my memory <laughs> <laughs> I do remember saying that to you those
0: yeah. little things. Affected yeah. me later on in life as i as I matured, you mm-hmm. know it took a while. but the big thing is that you invested your life, your time into me and others. I don't know if there's any others that were worse than me, <laughs> <laughs> but you invested in me even though I probably wasn't worth investing in, so you were well. Maybe today, but thirty years ago, you probably said something different, you know. And and I think that that's so important because I don't know in your mind or in your life if if I was somebody you got put on your heart or it's just because that was your nature.
1: Well, you know what? God doesn't give up on people, and if we're going to be Christ-like, how can we give up on people? You know, to me, every person is worthy of salvaging. I've seen some. Pretty sorry cases be transformed by God's grace, and those are beautiful things. And it's always neat to be a part of that. So I don't, I didn't, I don't think I remember anybody ever gave up on, even the ones that didn't didn't make it.
0: Yeah. So, but I think you need to realize the effect that you have on little things like that, all because of your obedience to God and your investment well, in people.
1: In those kind of situations, usually we say too much. Really, we need to say very little, but what we do say needs to needs to matter. There was
0: one other time, then we're going to get into our topic of obedience more so. Oh, we are. <laughs> but I... I um, uh, there there is another guy you took in. His name was Randy. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Randy was in some kind of trouble at this point, and uh, he was gonna come pick me up from work. I worked at a place called Jemco, and then some guy was decided he wanted to fight me because he had thrown me on the ground. And I was really angry, and so uh, after work, and so I was a cart boy pushing all these carts in, and then he came back all refreshed and got in this fight, and so it ended up that I got the guy on the ground, and it was on the parking lot, and I am taking the guy's hair and I'm pounding it into the ground and then the security guy comes over, pulls me off Randy's off in his car watching and finally I go over there and we drive home drive home and there you are we tell you all about it and I don't know if you remember what you said I sure do because at this point in my life I had just I don't know, recently got the seizure disorder and it was real hard on me. I mean, nobody had answers. You didn't have answers. I was getting bothered with God because well, I don't deserve this. What did I do to get seizures? You know, and it just came. So as we told you the story, and I'm kind of like, you know, yeah, wow. And you looked at me and said, so how does it feel to have seizures and brain damage?
1: <laughs>
0: he says, you could have given that guy brain damage by pound his head in the ground. You really told me off. <laughs> Not only that, because Randy was there. It's like, Randy's picking me up. What if the police came and we had some real problem there and you really let me have it? And I, and I guess in my ministry through the years, God brought me to a place that I understood what it was to have this, to learn to have empathy for others. And that situation that that you told me off
1: on is what that what really helped key into that area. Sounds like I should have told you off more often. Probably. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, uh, I, I needed it. I needed that. I didn't. I didn't have that. And it was a good, constructive way you did it. It wasn't just you know, you know, get out of my face. You're no good for nothing. You never did that. It, it was always you took a good biblical you know, stand that told me off. And I thought that was honorable. So, and I'll never forget how you've invested in my life. And I I think that is uh, hopefully my wife and other people (laughs) feel the same way that it was important that you invested in me. Hopefully. (laughs) So, obedience. We were talking on the way over here this morning, and, and I had mentioned that I've always thought that Jesus um, kind of put on the same level obedience as love. Jesus says that um, if you love me, you'll obey me. Or if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. And in the Christendom today, all we hear about is love. God loves me, God loves the world, God loves everybody because of God's love. We'll all go to heaven because God loved. We won't go through tribulation. Love, 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 love. And the term obedience, I used to hear that all the time when I was younger, in my teens, 20s. And I don't hear much of that anymore. But Jesus put it on a level with love, and somehow we've dropped that other half. I want you to expound or talk about that and your feelings and your view of that picture.
1: Well, let me do it with a story that I heard a lady tell. She had married this guy who was very overbearing. And after they'd been married a very short time, he actually took a sheet of paper and wrote down what he expected out of her every day. That she was to have dinner ready at four o'clock and she was to have the dishes all done and this and that. he made a list and put it on the refrigerator and expected her to obey that to a T, and browbeat her over it. And she was miserable. She even went into depression. And then that husband died. And uh, after a couple of years, she remarried. And she married a guy who was very loving and really lavished his love on her. And uh, after they'd been married a couple of years... She was going through some stuff, a bunch of old papers. And she found that list that had been put on the refrigerator. And she looked at that list and she said, you know what? I am doing every one of those. But it's not because I was forced to do it. It's because I really love him and I just want to show my love. And she says, I'm doing all those things now because I want to and because I love rather than because I was forced to. So when God shares his commands with us, they are they are all shared in love. It's why, you know, not only the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament, but Jesus came along and actually upgraded all those commandments. He actually raised them to a new level. You know, now it's not just the act of adultery, but to look on a woman to lust after her. It's, it's not what you do, it's the thought in your mind that can bring problems, you know. And God raises us to a new standard. And I think it's in the context then of our relationship with him, which is a love relationship, that when we really sense his love, when it overwhelms us, and we respond with love in our hearts, then we we just naturally do what he wants us to do. Like the Bible says, do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So when I honor him with my tithe, my stewardship, when I sing praises to Him in church, when I pray to Him, uh, whatever I do, when I'm helping my neighbor because I love God, uh, all of that, God just smiles because we've made Him happy.
0: You know, I did a teaching recently on the Beatitudes, and and I think the way we look at it has a lot to do with how we start to love and honor and live for Jesus.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: We can look at it as, you know, we need to, like you said with this woman, you do it because you're forced to. And sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel like God's forcing us to, want you know, doing these things. But there's a point in there where it talks about the desire of your heart and our desires. So if Mm -hmm. we desire to honor him we desire to do the things that the beatitudes teach you know to be a peacemaker or whatever it is it, it becomes more of the idea that we're like you said we're we're you know, obedient but because of our desire and our love for him not because we're being forced to and i think mm-hmm. the old testament is the same way i mean god gave us the, the commandments uh, to teach us how to live in a relationship. It's all out of love. It's all out of, you know, a perspective of, of
1: uplifting one another. and getting ready for this session, I thought it was interesting that we know the Bible says, Children, children obey your parents. But right near that, then it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I thought that's interesting that it gives children the responsibility to obey, but rather for fathers to take that and say, oh, you need to obey me. God says, "Don't exasperate your children. Bring them up in the nurture and the instruction of the Lord." You know, and I, this thing of obedience. You know, at some some weddings, the ladies don't don't want those words in the wedding vows to to love and obey their husbands, because husbands say, "You're supposed to obey me." You know, that's not the, the attitude that God. Put that together with, you know, we're supposed to love our spouses like Christ loved the church, and if we love like that, they'll have no problem with obeying, you know. But, but we get it so messed up when we try to put it into our own framework; it just doesn't, it doesn't work. Yeah,
0: I actually use uh, Ephesians five. In in marriages, you know, and a lot of a lot of ladies just do not like this. I no. go, well, let me explain it. To you. <laughs> so I talk about submitting to your husbands as unto the Lord. It's it's, it's you know the whole idea is perfect cycle. And but when I get to the husband or the future husband, I says you know the really the heavy's on you. That's right, it is. It is, yeah. and, and I tell him you know it says to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And the problem is, there's our definition of how Christ loved the church is is altered from mm-hmm. what was reality. And I learned it. I didn't learn that, but I learned this one other passage from Reuben Welch in 1 John 3.16, where it says, This is how we know love, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Mm-hmm. And he he put this in one of his books, uh, We Really Do Need Each Other. Mm -hmm. He said said, basically, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to go out and die for one another and and kill each other. We have just a bunch of dead Christians, basically. You know, we aren't really Mm -hmm. laying down our lives. And he talked about what it was to lay down our lives. And so I talked, I I started reading more in John in 13. It says, Jesus gave us a new commandment that we love one another as he loves us. Mm -hmm. And at People answer, how does that how did Jesus love us? Well, he died on the cross. Well, no, he's talking. He hadn't died on the cross yet, hadn't gone. So he's telling us to love as he is loved. So we need to define that. So when I we talk about Ephesians, how did Jesus love the church? Well, you know, he prayed for them, spent time with mm-hmm. them, fed them, healed them, you know, mm-hmm. he washed their feet, he was a servant. And then these girls want to get married. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> But mm-hmm. it's this whole cycle that brings us to the idea of desire, mm-hmm. that we want to mm-hmm. be uh, submissive. We want to love. We want to give of ourselves. And this, this idea of we give 50-50 is a bunch of garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, we give 100-100. We give mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. I actually learned that from you years ago. Never thought about it till later I got older in life. <laughs> you, know, you give all of yourself. You get 100% mm-hmm. of you. And it's something I heard you in a sermon one time. Not that you ever sat and talked to me, but I heard you preach it.
1: Most people today, we're so self-centered in our world. You know, all we think about self. Look out for number one. You know, that's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what Jesus is all about. It's so look out for your neighbor and look out for those around you. And so there's that's where the fun is.
0: Yeah. I think obedience is... What are the foundations of the scripture? Uh, I find um, that basically four I look at. It's to live in holiness, to live in righteousness, to live in faithfulness, and live in obedience. Mm-hmm. And I find that teaching in the Old Testament. I find it in the New Testament. And I think that this is our foundation. And I, I believe that obedience, when we're talking about when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Mm-hmm. is almost
1: equating obedience with love. And it says in the Old Testament, to obey is better than sacrifice. Absolutely.
0: And I think that too many of us walk around, oh, I gave my time Sunday morning. Oh, I, you know, sacrificed my golf game for going to church. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what God is looking for. He wants all of you. It's like worship. Mm-hmm. You know, That was such a good sermon yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Roy Smith uh, talked about worship. And I've always believed, I learned this when I was in Nazarene Bible College. I don't know if it was Dr. Oak or G.B. Williamson, but they defined worship in a way that totally blew me away. It said, worship is your gift of you Completely, totally, 100% to God. And to me, it's like, wow. I mean, I, that's my why mm-hmm. worship is me. Here I am, take all of me, mm-hmm. and that's worship. Mm-hmm. Every day, every hour, all of my life, all of me. And today, it's, oh, worship, that's when I go to church. That's when mm-hmm. I sing the songs. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm where's where's all of our good teaching where's our good preaching why don't we
1: hear more of that even when it comes to stewardship love is is connected to obedience and if love is really connected to obedience then I'm not going to have any problem with my stewardship you know people will say well tithing is a just old testament well if that was what we were supposed to do under law can i give any less under grace than I was required to give under law. I mean, what's that say about my love? You know, and so it seems like just like the Ten Commandments were upgraded that our stewardship ought to be upgraded. The the tithe should be the utmost minimum. And uh, love says, I just want to do everything that I can. So it's interesting how people try to water down what God says in order to Make themselves feel better,
0: and honestly, uh, and we haven't talked to you about this at all. But honestly, I, I I teach that you know we need to honor the teaching of the Old Testament. That the New Testament is just an extension of the right. Old. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the law, if you look at the law as it was given, it was given to teach the people. I mean, look at the Ten Commandments. God gave that to. The Jews mm-hmm. after they left is Egypt, because they were under oppression. Oppression. They didn't know mm-hmm. how to interact, how to honor him. Mm-hmm. And it was an idea of how to develop a relationship with God and how to develop relationship with one another. It's all about relationship. Mm-hmm. So when you look at that following through, you don't give it up because we have the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Because what the New mm-hmm. Testament wouldn't even make sense without the Old Testament. Yeah yeah that's true and didn't Jesus say I didn't come to destroy to fulfill Yeah, fulfill the law so I really believe that we need to look at the Old Testament in in its entirety now there are some things we don't follow anymore because of Jesus you know completing like Mm -hmm. you know the death on the cross and so forth but yeah and I think that obedience is just huge it's Mm -hmm. just really huge um I have to say, growing up in a Nazar living in a Nazarene church and worshiping and uh, working in a Nazarene church taught me a lot. As I've gone into non-denominational churches, it gave me a a, a better foundation because it taught about holiness, it Mm -hmm. taught about obedience, it taught. And I have a high respect for Nazarene church. I really Mm do. I've been last several years in a non-denominational setting. Um, brought in by Southern Baptist pastors, but my foundation that I I bank on is all about that holiness, obedience, and the, the things that give the substance to the walk
1: in Jesus. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. I could say Amen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so anyway. In looking at obedience in your life, what can you tell all of us that it has done for you in your personal life as a father, husband, grandfather,
1: pastor, mentor? Well, I think I demanded obedience from my children. Uh, We lived in a way that I... When I reprimand them or wanted them to not do something or do something, I'd say to them, I'm only, only going to say this once. And they got to the place that they understood that. that, that that's, that's what happened. I didn't repeat myself. I've heard that. And so <laughs> they realized that, you know, when God says something, he means it. When I say something, I mean it. So I think when I, when I was requiring obedience, I was trying to reflect what God requires of us, because I was doing it in love. Um, obedience in the home has to be balanced. It's like a teeter-totter. has to be balanced by love that's shown in ways where, in our home, we used humor. I like to humor my kids. I like to show love to them in a, in a lot of various ways. You know, surprise them with different things. And then... It was easier for them to obey because they knew they were loved, so they wanted to obey. You got a lot of kids at homes today that don't want want to obey, and they need to be motivated to want to obey. You can still end up disobeying even if you want to obey, but that can be more of a mistake. But my kids wanted to obey. They they loved to be obey because the things went well in the home when we when everybody did what they were supposed to do. So. I think that uh, what we as parents are to do is to reflect what God requires of us. God loves us immensely. He likes to surprise us. He likes to do things for us. But like he said to Moses, when you obey, you're going to get a blessing. You know, the curse comes when you ignore what I'm telling you. So it comes down to the words of the father. And of course, Alan said, you know, that we really need to be in the word if we're going to be everything that God wants us to be, and that's true. So this whole obedience thing, whether it's just in our relationships here on earth or our spiritual relationships, one reflects the other, and it's all tied together. You can't really separate them. So when when you see a family where the parents are very permissive, there is no obedience, and kids are spoiled, there's also a reflection of their... Their spiritual weaknesses. And so they're all tied together. And uh, I used to tell people, even in the church, the people that I could count on in the church were the ones that had a lot of crises in their life, things that that they'd had a hard time going through, and they just trusted the Lord. The people that had everything good happen to them and never really had much of a crisis in their life were people that were were worthless when it came to serving in the church. They really didn't do nothing. And so I thought, you know, it's a crisis in our life that makes us what we are. So don't downplay those times when we have to go through something that's difficult because that's really what's gonna make you what God wants you to be. And as a pastor Your obedience, how's that
0: affected your Well I don't think
1: it's different for a pastor than I think Pastors really aren't on a different pedestal. God may respect may demand more of us, but uh, the same things apply the same principles. there's I don't think you have to have different principles for pastors. Yeah, I think it all works together.
0: I believe that your ministry uh, I, I have said on, on my program in the past that I think that you're probably the most successful, pastor i have ever met and known and i've been recently i attended a church where we had 25,000 members now i know you haven't had a church with 25,000 no, members not even close <laughs> but what i mean by success i don't think success comes by numbers or monetary giving i think success comes from actual obedience to God Mm -hmm. in all things and faithfulness in following through what God has handed to you and being open and sensitive to what God is opening to your life. And I think that's what I mean by that. Um, Pastors that I have worked for, pastors that I have attended and been a lay pastor to, associate to, um... I think there's a big difference between, you know, oh, wow, look at the numbers. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. look at this. Opposed to, well, look what God has done and the miracles that he has provided for us to learn by and grow together. Mm-hmm. And that's what I see in you and your ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, you left, you left uh, uh, Maui and you went to a church that was in really bad shape in, Itasca, uh, no, in Escondido. Escondido. And, you know, God does some amazing things. Why? Because mm-hmm. you're obedient to him.
1: And, you know, people will remember that forever. This church that Alan's talking about, the problem was they had this huge indebtedness. They'd built a new church and, and they'd lost some people. And the church was not big enough really to support the building they had or the mortgage they had. And so they were paying interest-only uh, payments on the mortgage and getting nowhere The mortgage was uh, given to the church by a private party it wasn't a bank mortgage and it was all due and payable at a certain time but when they were calling the new pastor this mortgage was due and payable in three months and they didn't have any money and so when I interviewed by the board they said so what's your plan to help us meet this mortgage demand and I said I don't have a plan but if the Lord is in this call and wants us to come here, he has a plan. So anyway, they called me and we came to the church. And and almost right away, the Lord gave me this idea, you know, that really we didn't have any answers. So I told the church that every time we prayed, whether it's a pastoral prayer or the dismissal prayer, we're going to tell the Lord that we had a crisis as a church, this need for this mortgage to be met. And uh, after about a month of that, one Sunday, some people were visiting the church, and they heard me pray that. After church, they came up to me and they said, uh, we heard you pray about your mortgage situation. Our church was in the same situation, and we found this company that they told me about, the Lane Foundation, and said they really helped us. Spiritual congregation, a spiritual company that was developed by some Assembly of God people and so they gave me a telephone number I called them they came and met with our board and we had like a revival that night just talking with them it was amazing and to make a long story short they went back and met their board and they funded it all with within one week of its due date and uh, after they funded it it was done in such a way that we were paying a huge interest on this loan and interest dropped in half, and we were able to pay principal and interest payments and now that church has burned the mortgage, it's all paid off. but it was it was a miracle. it really was a miracle. and I thought, the Lord did that. all I did is said, we're just going to pray about it every time we pray." and uh, so I, I love those exciting things that God does that we can just take our hands off and let him work and you didn't have to finagle no. hire people no.
0: build you know try to no. do a big raise money thing it was mm-hmm. all about God Yep, and and that's what I'm talking about the obedience you have to him to follow through and the faith that
1: you portray mm-hmm. is like that's amazing and that, I, well, I just like the idea of a simple, childlike faith. I think that's what the Lord wants from us. And like little kids say, my dad can do anything. Well, my God can do anything. <laughs> you know,
0: and, 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 and I'm going to get off on the topic a little bit, and then we'll get right back in real quick. We have five minutes left. And I, you were talking about your kids and, and raising them and, and the discipline and things. What's really unique, and I want everybody to hear this, Lon has four children who are totally all different mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean as black as to white you have all these different you know personalities mm-hmm. and sometimes for a lot of parents that's tough to deal with
1: mm-hmm. So, oh, it's refreshing,
0: <laughs> and they're all different. Steve, <laughs> and see the attitude you take is so nice because there are parents that have a harder time because of that. And I like I talked about the fact that they're different and how it's refreshing. And
1: refreshing. well, one of my daughters, if she got in trouble. Even if we sat down to talk to her about it, as soon as we started talking, she'd be crying. <laughs> the other one, we had to beat her to death before she ever, <laughs> ever repented. No, I'm just kidding about that. But they are—they are really different, totally different. And and they, we love each other. They love each other. They get along good. It, it was just neat to me. All all kids are different.
0: Um, you know, in, in talking about. The scripture about bring the your children up in the Lord, and they'll not not go far; they'll mm-hmm. return to Him. And uh, and I think this is a good good thing to under, let a lot of our pastors and missionaries hear this. Uh, I know that I have worked for a couple pastors that uh, they they weren't like that; their ch- children went way astray, you know, because they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, honoring god in the obedience of raising their children Mm -hmm. right in the lord and
1: uh, well too many people in ministry you know there's a ministry is tough especially today and it's easy to go home from our ministry assignments and kind of badmouth some of the things that are happening in the church organization or whatever when our kids hear that you know they lose faith in the church and And it damages them, and I think it's wrong. And it happens so often, and then pastors or missionaries wonder why they lost their kids. You know, you need to create love for the church, love for the other missionaries, love for Christ. You know, it's all in the context of love. And whenever you short-circuit that, you're in trouble.
0: I um, When I go to Moldova, and um, I work with... Some with young life, and some with uh, a lot of them with Campus Crusade. There's about sixty to seventy on staff with Campus Crusade. And one of the things I I really spend a lot of time on is balancing your ministry and your family. You know, and a lot of pastors, a lot of missionaries, a lot of people who feel like they're a ministry because God called them to preach or Mm -hmm. teach or whatever. It's like, well, God called me to do this, and so they let their family kind of go because they feel their calling was over here and they neglect their family. And they don't know how. They've not been taught. Our colleges don't teach how to balance that Mm -hmm. in their ministry. That's true, yeah. So you've done a good job. You've done an amazing job, not only with your kids, but those of us you've invested in. And I think that, you know, it's commendable. I think God has honored you.
1: Well, thank you.
0: So? Just did my best. (laughs) And I think your wife has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah, right? she does. Diana is just totally She's solid as rock. Yeah. So, um, anyway, it's been a, an enjoyable two weeks. It's been really nice to have you on our show. And um, if you have anything else to say, we got a couple minutes.
1: No, I think I'm done. I never know you not to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Well,
0: God is good, and I just want to take this couple of minutes, you know, and you can interrupt me anytime you want at this point. Um, he is good. I really think that uh, when we look at obedience, we look at being faithful, we look at um, righteousness and holiness, it's important that we understand that God doesn't, it's not important for Him to hammer us down to do these things and live this way. It's important that we choose this way with the desires Mm -hmm. in our heart to love him. It is, as Lon said, it's about relationship, not about religion. It's about relationship. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship. It's that relationship that you have with Jesus, and it's a combined relationship you have with other believers. Mm And the Bible teaches not just the New Testament, but the same way as in the Old Testament. The way we honor God, the way the Jews honored one another, lived with one another, it's all the same. It doesn't change. So, as we go from this, I challenge you to look up scriptures, to talk about obedience, talk about honoring God, talk about love, and Adding obedience to this, so we see that it's a matter of desiring to worship him, honor him, Mm -hmm. live for him. And I think you'll notice your life will change in amazing ways Mm -hmm. when you
1: live in this way. That's true. You're absolutely right. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So everyone, you all have a wonderful day, a wonderful uh, week, and uh, may God bless you. And subscribe to my uh, program here, my channel. And uh, if you have any comments or any questions, please write them and I'll be glad to answer them. Aloha. Alan Cutting and the Believer's Journey radio program seeks to teach the Word of God in a clear and practical manner. For more information, please visit the podcast page at am630theword.com.